listening to the Marketing Happy Hour podcast, where we discuss career and industry insights with our peers in marketing. We're here to talk about it all, like the ups and downs of working in social media, how to build authentic relationships in the influencer and PR space, managing a nine to five and a side hustle at the same time, how to be productive in your life and career without losing your sanity, and more. Ultimately, we're here to build a community with you because we're all trying to navigate the world of marketing together. Are you ready? Grab your favorite drink and join your hosts, Cassie and Erica, for this week's episode. Okay, Marketing Happy Hour listeners, buckle up for this incredible episode with Bree Reynolds, social media manager at rideshare app Lyft. Bree shares with us her top tip for each social media platform, how to join in on trends that make sense for your brand, her list of predictions for the future of social, and more. Grab your favorite drink, a pen and paper, or open your notes app, and let's listen in together. How are you doing? Hi, good. How are you guys? Good. So excited to speak with you today. But before we get started, I have an important question for you that we ask all of our guests, and that is what is in your glass this afternoon? It is yes. Mark's happy hour after all. I have my Stanley in, in proper um, basic white girl fashion. Um, I've been influenced by Water Talk. Are you guys on Water Talk? I have heard of Water Talk, but yeah. I have not seen anything about Water Talk. <laughs> There's a couple like influencers who talk about how they like judge their water in the morning. Like maybe yeah. it's true like, lime or like flavor packets. So Ooh. Um, I bought like a crap ton of those flavor packets. And right now I'm drinking a sonic ocean water, water. And Ooh. it's amazing. It's Wait, amazing. that sounds so good. And that's like a really good way to get like extra water. We love oh hydration gosh. over here. I was a doubter. Oh I was a doubter, but I've been converted. Oh, that's, that's so awesome. Funny. Cassie, what are you sipping on? I have a water. And then I also for once I'm drinking something fun. So I have a, it's called a Lambic beer and I am not a beer yeah. person. Do you know what it is, Brie? Yes. It's like a fruit-based beer, right? Yes. Oh my yeah. gosh. I love that. You know what this is. So I don't know a ton. I'm not super educated on it, but I know it's from Belgium or regions around Belgium. And it does kind of taste like a fruitier version of beer. I'm not a big beer person. So this is great. Um, but my husband and I love this, but yeah, a little fun. Is it what about still- you? Is it still like sparkling kind of like a cider? Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. I don't know if you guys can see, but it's kind of, this yeah. one's strawberry or raspberry. So very fruitful. Oh, I love it. Yeah. What about you, Erica? I actually have like a makeshift Aperol spritz. <laughs> love it. It's Aperol and United Soda's lemon verbena flavor. And it's Ooh. good. It works. It's not technically an Aperol spritz, but it's Aperol and something spritzy. So that's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah oh, I love it I love it well Brie we are so excited to learn from you hear about all the things that you have been working on recently but first can you just walk us through your career journey so far tell us a little bit about how you landed your role at Lyft yeah um my career journey isn't super long I've I'm actually only a couple years post-grad so I graduated in 2020 during the pandemic um, like I didn't have actually a graduation ceremony, still bitter about that, but it's fine. Um, 
I was fortunate enough to be able to land a lot of internships in college though. So by the time I graduated, I had about six uh, marketing internships under my belt in a bunch of different things, which I feel like uh, puts me a little bit ahead of where I am technically in, in my experience post-grad. Uh, so I'm super grateful for that. The summer going into my senior year, I interned for Adobe and was able to like network my ass onto the social media team. Yep. And they offered me a position post-grad. I was there for two years and then just about a year ago joined Lyft. That's awesome. Do you have any tips? You kind of already mentioned a few of them, I feel like, but networking and then just getting a ton of experience while you're in college internships. But I know looking at your resume, someone would be like, how in the world did she land a job at Lyft, like kind of fresh-ish out of college? Any tips on getting jobs with an aspirational brand kind of newly into your experience outside of maybe some of the things you already mentioned? Yeah, well, I think a, a way to network that people don't talk about enough, obviously we hear a lot about being on LinkedIn and getting in the right people's DMs, but uh, a huge reason why I was able to kind of get my foot in the door at Lyft and and what made them notice me is that I had a relationship with my current manager, Bryna Corcoran, um, through LinkedIn already. So I've been pretty active posting on the platform since I was in college and we're always kind of commenting back and forth uh, through her stuff. And so we kind of had that built-in rapport, regardless of at the time, whether I was looking for something or not, she kind of already was aware of me, aware of my name, aware of my experience. And that made it 20 times easier uh, when it came to that process, when, when I heard that there was an opening. So we kind of already had that established relationship. I know a lot of people talk about being present in people's DMs or reaching out. Sometimes that can come across the wrong way if you don't know how to word something. And I would say a lot uh, a more approachable way to navigating LinkedIn is really just being proactive and commenting on the right people's content because it's likely that that aspirational brand, at least some members of the team you want to be on are active on the platform. And I think that's a, sometimes a much easier um, and less intimidating way for people to use LinkedIn. Yeah, totally. And I think LinkedIn too, just having that presence on the platform, like you said, everybody can see that everyone that you're connected with and they'll see your brilliant ideas and be like, oh, wow, she has something to say about this topic. And we're really struggling in this area. And maybe she can bring something to our team that our team doesn't already have. So I totally love that. Um, I do have another (laughs) follow-up. We, at the time of this recording, are about a month out of hiring our own first intern. Oh, yeah. Do you have, yeah. Do you have any tips for us and anyone out there who is hiring an intern of how to make it the best experience for that intern and things that they can do, like managerial wise, to like make that easier and better um, of an experience for an intern? Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy you asked. I have a lot (laughs) of ideas, but I can just give you my like top two. I, when uh, my most impactful internship was probably the summer I spent at Chegg, which is like an education learning platform, textbook rental. I don't know if that rings any sort of bells, yeah. but um, when I interned there, my manager and the entire like marketing org did a really good job at making sure interns can just sit in on meetings, even mm-hmm. if it's not meetings affiliated with the work they're doing or work they would do over the summer, just inviting them to be a fly on the wall and ask questions if they're comfortable, just 
um, coming from college where college arguably really doesn't teach you a lot about the tangible organizational skills that you need um, in a corporate job. It was so interesting for me at that time as a sophomore, I didn't even understand how agencies worked with brands or that brands had such deep relationships with agencies, or I didn't understand how brand partnerships worked and sponsorships. And although I didn't necessarily have a project that touched those things, my manager let me sit in on those teams uh, to really just soak in information, get the lingo, understand how uh, the various relationships worked. So number one tip is definitely allow your interns to sit in on any meetings, even if they're not really relevant to the work they're doing. And um, secondly, I would say, I think like, I think the most default response when an intern joins your team is to be like, what do you want to work on this summer? Which I think is great and obviously shouldn't be ignored. But I know for me as a college student who barely knew like anything about marketing, I wouldn't have had the verbiage or the knowledge at that time to be like, I really want to learn about influencer brand relationships. I really want to learn about how paid social integrates with uh down the funnel pipeline, la la la. As an intern, <laughs> I'm just like, I just want to do cool shit and learn from you. Yeah. So I think um with all of that said, I think it's important to not only ask your intern what they want to work on at the start, but also kind of do a midway check-in and be like, hey, now that you know a little bit more about how we do XX, is there something you wanted to dive deeper in there? Um, so just kind of constantly checking in with them because again, they might not even know what they want to work on because they don't know how to describe it in the right way. They don't have the the right experience to know. That's awesome. Such good advice. I know thinking about some of my most enriching internships, it's exactly what you said, wearing a lot of hats, being involved in a number of different things, even if it's just sitting on and that allows the intern to really understand what their passions are and where they want to kind of focus on in the future. Cause I know the world of marketing can get kind of crazy. There's a lot of different directions to go in. Um, so that is fantastic advice, but speaking of that, I do want to hear about your role and what that looks like day to day. What do you typically work on? Does it kind of depend on the day? Or, or how is your day structured right now? Yeah, um, I think my role is kind of structured in, in three different buckets. So I'm I'm very fortunate that at Lyft, we're able to get our hands dirty a lot. We have uh, great partnerships with amazing agencies, but I think what's been uh, challenging and rewarding about my role at Lyft is like we're, we're able to do a lot of the work ourselves and, and, and get stuff done that way. So that's been really fun. Um, I own all of our content calendaring at Lyft right now. So whatever is live on our channels, that was me hitting post. So that does take up a lot of my day, whether that's making sure stuff that's scheduled is aligned correctly in the tools that we use or pro uh, projecting the next month's calendar, next week's calendar, what have you, moving stuff around as needed, informing the right people, which is a skill I don't think is talked about enough, but Occasionally, you need to learn how to inform execs appropriately of the content that's going out, and it's a very fine dance of informing and not opening the door for that last-minute feedback, making sure that they feel comfortable while still like keeping your team safe from that from those like last-minute pushes. Um, so there's a lot of that, um, and then also handling content approvals with the various channels of creating content that we have. We have an amazing internal team. We have agency teams we work with. Occasionally, strategists will come up with ideas last minute based off trends or stuff that's going on. 
So it's a part of my role to kind of manage where everything is at in the the different um, pipes of pipelines of content. So that takes up a lot of my time. Um, recently have had the opportunity to do a lot more influencer stuff, which has been fun. So whatever projects cooking up, uh, prioritizing, working on getting influencers approved, content made, working with our different agencies and getting that stuff done. And then I think what's the one of the most fun roles for me is I show up as Lyft in the comments of everything. So Twitter, yeah. uh, bantering with people that are mentioning Lyft explicitly, um, showing up on the For You page comments, trying to extend to LinkedIn. That's like the current phase of our community management strategy. So we're getting there on LinkedIn. Um, that's such a fun part of my day. And it's always so fun when you find those nuggets of like really great stories and can pass them along to the product teams and who don't have the time to be on social and get them excited about how people are receiving their new updates or, or projects. So that's, yeah. those are kind of the main things I do. So cool. And I love how you say like the community management piece, especially just like outreach and trying to figure out where your brand can join different conversations that are happening already. Um, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but um, I'm very curious about on our intake form, you noticed that, or you noted that you launched Adobe's TikTok channels while you were on their team. What was that like? Yeah, that was crazy. Um, and I'm so grateful for the leadership on my team at that time to give me that opportunity because not only was I fairly new on the team, I had been there just under a year, but I was a more junior member. So I, I definitely had a lot of trust from my leadership at that time. I'm really grateful. It was kind of one of those things, like, I don't know if you guys remember TikTok in like early 2021, where it kind of started showing up as a significant platform until 2021, like in 2019 and 2020, it was kind of like the dance Charlie D'Amelio thing. Yeah. And every brand was like, didn't want to touch that with a nine foot pole. And then all of a sudden in 2021, there was this shift of like, okay, people are making quality content. Other brands are advertising here. Their uh, viewership skyrocketed. There's more users than YouTube and Instagram combined. And I think every brand at that time was like, oh, fuck. Um, what is that? And how do we do that? And it was interesting because the platform is so new that there wasn't even a lot of external agency support that really knew we were all kind of like, uh, okay, let's figure this out and let's do it. It's like vine with a twist. I think yeah. we that, um, so yeah, it, it was really crazy. Uh, we kind of threw together, a a scrappy strategy. We knew we wanted to talk to young people. We ended up down the line, kind of refining that scope. What does young people look like? for Adobe, what types of valuable users are on TikTok in that age range. But um, we just started posting and trying to see what worked. We, at Adobe, um, and for those not familiar, Adobe is the software company that owns like Photoshop, Lightroom, it's the creativity platform. We were fortunate that there's so many creators at our disposal because it's like the creativity tool. Uh, so we really leaned into creators to kind of craft the voice of that platform. A lot of brands were kind of having one um, either internal person or one influencer kind of act as their voice. And at Adobe, because of how broad our tools were, we decided to kind of speak through individual creators instead. We thought that'd be more fun. Um, 
And so we started with that strategy. There was so many conversations with legal. We, we all didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> There's trending sounds and uh, people referencing Car the Kardashians and SpongeBob and like all of these legal like minefields that we had to try to yeah. figure out, um, which eventually I think we did. But uh, it was amazing. And I'm really grateful that my team trusted me. And it, I think it's uh, a testament to that if you're more junior in your career, fight for those opportunities, fight for those new platform launches. We have so much value to bring as young people in marketing because of the years of experience we have being on the user end of these platforms that I think if if you sell it in the right way, your leadership will recognize and reward you for that. Um, oh, yeah. That's excellent. I love that piece of advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brie, I'm curious to hear your best TikTok strategies for brands. I know you in the conversations that are already happening on like the TikTok platform. What would you say are maybe your top two or three best tips around TikTok? Oh my gosh. And you guys can edit this out, but on Lyft, <laughs> we are, we are flailing right now. So don't dig, don't dig too deep. And, uh, we're working on resetting stuff, but Anyway, I don't want people to go look at our TikTok and be like, what the fuck is she talking about? It's okay. <laughs> anyway, um, the best strategies for brands on TikTok. I think what every brand is struggling with right now is how fast the platform's evolving. Like at first, it, it seemed like there was a clear distinction between users and brands on TikTok and people followed brands for one reason and followed influencers and individual creators for another. And I think that line is blending a lot more. And I think brands are starting to talk like people across all platforms, but especially on TikTok. And I think, whereas I know with my experience at Adobe, we kind of leaned into the platform being like, okay, they're asking us to show them how to do X. We're going to show up and how, and tell them how to do that. I think the strategy has now evolved to, we're going to create stuff with them. We're going to be in the conversation with them. We're going to ask the questions alongside them. It's not so much as like, I'm the expert, you're the student. It's like, we're all figuring this thing out together. So I think that's how brands can relate best to people on TikTok right now is stop trying to be like a brand authority in something and show up. And like, I know at Lyft, we're talking about how can we be alongside our customers and talk about the annoying parts of our app that we know exist? Like, let's not shy away from that. And let's instead like relate to our consumer and talk about those like kind of gritty things that we normally would skirt around on other platforms on TikTok. Let's show that we're like on their side and and we know the struggles that they, that they deal with. So I think like all, all of that in a nutshell is if brands can figure out the way that they can show up as human, whatever that means to them and, and their niche, then I think that will serve them well. That's yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Um, question for you. If someone's starting on TikTok, what do you think the objective should be? Is it more awareness focused? Is it more relating to the community focused? Is it just kind of to drive conversation or is there a piece that's linked to like conversion? Yeah, I think that 100% depends on your niche. So like, for example, if we're leaning into TikTok from a small boutique, conversion with a pinch of awareness would probably be the mix there for strategy. But for large brands in tech, which I have experienced both in tech from Adobe and Lyft, it's so much harder to track that conversion all the way from TikTok video to adamant Lyft rider, right? So you have to lean into awareness because that's the only thing you can measure by. You can't 
I hope one day there's an easier way to track that journey all the way down. That's better than like a fucking discount code or something. Yeah. But, um, so it really depends on your brand, but I think that even you asking that question is really important. And it's uh, a question that every brand should be asking before they join the platform. Cause if you don't answer that question before you, you join, you don't really know what success means to you because you could have a video pop off with 13 million views, but if it doesn't hit your goal of driving people to your boutique's website, or if it doesn't hit your goal of driving people to a landing page, or it doesn't hit your goal of followership, whatever that goal is, then you're never going to really be able to define success for yourself. And you're never going to know when you did a good job and you're just going to have to rely on that virality, which I think a, a hard lesson that I've no, I've had to talk, teach my leadership at both Lyft and Adobe that like virality doesn't mean success always. It's warm and fuzzy and it's a great like serotonin feeling, but going viral on these platforms isn't actually what drives like meaningful interactions with your audience. Um, those things show up in smaller scale. It's showing up on a video of someone talking about a bad experience they had with a lift and being able to respond with a stitched video from your CEO telling them they're going to fix it. It's about, and maybe that gets like 800 views, but it's that important like brand connection moment. That's what I think is more valuable than the huge followers, huge views, although that might feel warm and fuzzy. Um, I think that was a little rambly answer to your question, but maybe there was some good nuggets in there. That was great. No, well, and part of that virality is a lot, a lot of times leadership will put this pressure on us to yeah. hop on trends and to do something that went viral for someone else. Cause I think yeah. it'll also help us go viral. How do yeah. you in your role discern if a trend is worth hopping on or not? How do you kind of go through that decision-making process to decide what content specifically you're posting, especially going back to uh, what you mentioned about those goals and setting objectives for your presence on the platform. But yeah, just overall for trends, how would you approach that? Yeah, I think it's a good question because I think for I've, I don't, I'm curious if you guys have noticed, but I think brands are kind of approaching trends in different ways. You have super mega unhinged brand. Who's just like, <laughs> I just want to fuck around and like <laughs> act like a 21 year old and be sexy and horny and do that. <laughs> That's kind of one way to approach trends. And I think there is an argument for that. That's not necessarily my style, but I can see how there's like a strong mm -hmm. argument for that. And then there's kind of the style of sure, be fun and sexy and cute. And these things that kind of pop up in these trends, but always like point back to brand relevance um, because that's in my experience, the language that leadership speaks, that's the language your boss speaks and your manager's manager speaks. They're going to have a hard time selling these kind of more spicy opportunities and advocating for you and advocating for your career down the line. And it's going to be easier for them to advocate for you and sell mm -hmm. it in when you're talking about trends and things that are at least somewhat relevant to the brand. And I think it also helps social media managers, us not want to jump on everything um, and pick stuff that's really relevant. I know at Lyft, we're kind of we're always trying to find like, what's the car way in? Where's the car spin? What um, mm -hmm. one of our favorite opportunities that we did internally was like the Spotify wrapped thing, right? Like you saw a bunch of brands do that. And our spin on it was like, you're in the top 2% of lift riders that took a, a lift to their ex's house. But <laughs> that's kind of like our little spin on a trend that could have gone really broad and unhinged, but we always like to 
bring it back to the brand. So then it's like, why is Lyft posting about this? Um, we try to make that connection really clear. So that would be my advice to people. I know not everyone's kind of in that same vein, but I'm curious what you guys think. Do you guys like not, you don't have to pick a camp either, but I'm, do you guys like that super unhingy type social or, or what do you think? Oh, I think it depends. I, the biggest thing for me is kind of what you were alluding to is if it doesn't tie into the brand and how I see and know the brand and it confuses me as a consumer, that's where it loses me. I think if they're unhinged and, um, it, it makes sense and it's hilarious. Like I'm a big fan of humor. Like for me, it works, but I don't know, Erica, what do you think? No, I like it. And I like hopping in on conversations that are happening with other brands and kind of like getting, you know, like an inside joke going with some other brands. I love that aspect, but I do think there is like a, a weird, I don't know, you can't really define it of like, for example, if we didn't all know Wendy's as like the crazy Twitter people, and we saw a tweet from them and we had never known that they were like that we would be very confused about Wendy's. We would be like, is, are they hacked? What's going on? Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. think it's, it's a longer brand story. You kind of have to bring life through whatever it is, like your mascot or whatever you're doing throughout your marketing strategy and throughout your social strategy and make sure that that actually fits into it really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's definitely possible. And I, I always like seeing creativity like that. Yeah. yeah. You have to like train your audience if you're going to go that, go yeah. that route. And I agree. It's always super fun to see those kind of like shit posty brands. Um, There's a balance. And for some brands, it really makes sense. And for others, it, it doesn't. I know at Lyft, we kind of have a harder time. And this is where I think people have to evaluate the brand that they're speaking through. But like at Lyft, we deal with a lot more sensitive issues as well. Mm -hmm. We are like in the business of transporting people. And that's a very like intimate, vulnerable experience of being in the backseat of someone else's car. So at the end of the day, you know, we can't, we can't go as far as other brands who maybe have like lighter services or products that they can kind of play around with. Um, and so that's something I've had to learn for sure at, at my time here of, of like always reminding myself that we are in that business and and being a little bit more sensitive with that context. So I think it's important to just evaluate and remind yourself the brand you're speaking through and act accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. No, completely agree. Um, and I have a feeling, I know what your answer to this question is going to be, but how do you feel just overall brands can maximize their results on each social media platform? Is it by tapping into that virality and the trends? Is it through growing community and really establishing relationships with your people? Is it a mix of both? Like, what do you think overall is really that secret sauce for, for results? I think really recently, my answer has changed. I think like before, like, let's say two months ago, I was all into like trend jacking, trend jacking. And I still think it's a really important part of strategy, but I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Tell me if this is just my for you page, but I know we've noticed it on on my team at Lyft, but my for you page is way less trend heavy than it used to be. Mm-hmm. You guys is that way too. Like yeah. way audio, like there's less of the audio remixing, maybe cap cut templates are having a moment, but in general, I'm seeing more like valuable content tailored to me, um, or, you know, funny content tailored to me, not necessarily attached 
to trends. Do you guys notice that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as you were just speaking a minute ago, I was like, you know what? I don't feel like TikTok has been that crazy, you know, everyone's doing the same exact thing over and over again, which I appreciate because it gives you a unique experience on each video you're, you're watching versus the same thing over and over again. Totally. And I personally am excited for this renaissance because it makes um, our relationship with legal a lot easier if yeah. we're not always like bugging them about wanting to do a Drake sound or like yep. a template with Jim from the office then it kind of like opens up, us up to do more creative things but all that is to say to answer your question directly I think my answer now would be really finding your niche find a way to answer the problems and answer the curiosities of your audience in a way that's engaging and exciting. And I think that's a secret sauce. I see that a lot with, um, uh, especially brands on Instagram, but there's a brand on Instagram. I don't know if you guys follow them. We're not really strangers. It's Mm -hmm. like a game. Yeah. It's a card game, which initially you're like, how is a card game going to show up on social without feeling super redundant? But their niche is really just these like inspiring like thought-provoking snippets uh, translated like visually on different things. So maybe they'll Mm -hmm. have like a poster hanging from a building or uh, something tattooed on someone's body that's kind of just like provocative and interesting. And that's the niche that they go in. Um, That's how they provide curiosity and engagement and excitement to their audience. And then um, my other like favorite brand on Instagram, brand on Instagram right now is the TSA. I just like made a post about them on LinkedIn, but like uh, the TSA is great on Instagram and they answer those questions and curiosities from their audience in their own way. They don't try to be like, I feel like a couple of years ago, if I was tasked with running TSA's Instagram, it would look a lot more like a travel influencer's feed, but whoever is the genius strategist like on that team has decided to take it in a really niche direction that answers these questions and curiosities in a really like just real raw punny cheesy way that just works so well for them so I think in short it's just about um I know I've said this like five times answering the questions and curiosities of your audience in a way that makes sense for you and I think that's the the best blanket response for for each platform right now so good um didn't TSA just post like kind of a parody type post about drug trafficking or something. Wasn't that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was so that. funny. Like someone how- like someone put a bag of drugs into a jar of peanut butter to try to get it through the x yeah. And they posted a picture of it with just like 12 peanut butter puns. Oh my gosh. I, I posted about this on LinkedIn, but I'm like, if the TSA can joke about meth, your brand can joke about pretty much anything. Yeah, Um, it really is like, just meet the meet, like, curb that craving that your audience has for the type of content they want to see you do. Yeah. Um, It's amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. So funny. Yeah. One of my favorite TV shows is, uh, is it how to catch a smuggler or something? And it's just all of like TSA catching like all these people in their nefarious acts. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) So uh, that's so funny to me, but Okay, we've never done this before, and I'm excited to do this with you. We're going to do some rapid fire. Um, I'm going to list a few social platforms and ask your top tip for each, and then ask you to name at least one brand that you think is killing it on the platform. 
Um, let's start with Instagram since you just said TSA is killing it. What's your top tip? What's another brand that's doing a really good job on there? Um, Instagram top tip would be partner with, um, insane creators, partner with the creators that your core audience is super excited about and have them make dope shit for your feed. Um, I think that's like my favorite thing that I see brands doing right now and a brand that's doing an amazing job outside of TSA and we're not really strangers is Duncan. I love everything that Duncan does on Instagram. They're amazing. Love that. Shout out to Duncan. What about TikTok? TikTok top tip is uh, find your niche, find that unanswerable question that your audience has and answer it in a million different ways in a million different styles and tones, um, whatever that means for you. And brand that's doing an amazing job of that and more is Chipotle on TikTok. Chipotle is amazing there. Excellent. How about LinkedIn? LinkedIn, I think we have to learn to find unique ways to show up on that platform because it's already inherently really corporate-y. And I think the best way to do that is through community management, which we're trying to do more um, from Lyft. And I think a brand that's doing that amazing right now is Slack. Uh, Slack's community management game on LinkedIn is amazing. Awesome. What about Facebook? Oh, Facebook. Fuck Facebook. Um, <laughs> I haven't been. On I know. I almost didn't even long. include it, and I was like, <laughs> "I have to include it. We have to learn." <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I I'm really thankful that at Lyft we've actually just formally deprioritized Facebook. We're like, we're not seeing ROI there organically. Yeah. Um, I think that whatever brand ends up mastering groups will be amazing because mm. I don't know about you guys, but groups and marketplace are like the only reason I'm on yes. Facebook. I feel like if there's a brand that can just do something really cool with groups. That's what that platform needs. So whoever that is, they'll be, they'll be my fave. I love that. Okay. Lastly, how about Twitter? Twitter, I feel like is uh, the wild west right now with all the leadership changes that are happening and how the, it seems like success means different things every day on that platform. But I think the the top tip for Twitter is just to sound as human as you can. Um, that's kind of an overarching thing for all platforms, but especially on Twitter, when you're competing for spots in people's um, feed on Twitter, you want to sound as much like the people they're seeing already on their feed, right? Um, so I think brands that do amazing at that are Duncan. Again, Duncan just has such a solidified voice. McDonald's is really great on Twitter. Um I think that's what I have right now. I'm not as much as a Twitter gal as the other platforms, honestly, if I'm Same. being truly <laughs> honest. Same. Okay. Question though. How do you feel about brands on emerging platforms, like less popular, like Be Real, Lemonade? I guess I don't know why I say less popular because they're still pretty popular. Be Real and Lemonade and things like that. I think um, there's there's a opening for a brand to do great on both of those platforms. I don't know if every brand can do great on those platforms, but I was um, I was thinking uh, immediately once I was familiar with Lemonade brands like American Eagle, Cotton On, those like inherently female, young female oriented brands, Airy, uh, Victoria's Secret Pink, like it's primed for that sort of space. 
So I think any sort of retail brand that has a really strong like visual product to show off would be great. Us in tech on Lemonade, I'd be like posting screenshots of my app, of the app. I'd be like talking, maybe talking about travel guides or something, but that connection would be like a little weaker. Mm-hmm. And so I think like visual products do really well on those platforms, like uh, Be Real and Lemonade, where they can churn out content super fast. Yeah, so good. I I completely agree. It's it's tough and it's tough to be the people that have to do it all and try it all and do all the things, but, um, have patience yeah. with yourself and grace and, you know, just give it a go. And if it's not for you, don't do it. So, um, I do want to know too, do you have any predictions for the future of social? What do you anticipate is coming on any of the platforms or just in general? What are your thoughts there? I hinted to this a little bit, but I think 2023 is really the year of creator partnerships, uh, partnering with really cool niche creators, creators that are undiscovered. I see that a lot from Duncan in particular. Like I loved this recent post from Duncan where they partnered with like a fine artist, like a super like Baroque style painting to do like a very majestic painting of like a donut and a coffee. Um, everyone seemed to love that. There was also a partnership with Cheez-Its recently where they partnered with um, like a sneaker designer to make like a see-through sneaker that had Cheez-Its like in the see-through pockets of the sneaker. Um, so making really engaging content through creators. Um, and I think budget-wise, it's it's pretty lucrative as well to, to do that. I actually have um, in my notes app on my phone, I have a list of like social media predictions that I'm like trying to check off as they go through, but I can just run through these. If yes, any let's hear it. Oh, I would love to hear that one note before you, while you're looking that up, I think something that we're seeing a lot more too is brands creating actual products alongside creators. Yeah. So like Gosh. I mentioned this, I think on another podcast we were on recently, um, Alex Earl, she's the sensation right now, right on TikTok. She just came out with that energy drink and apparently it's sold out everywhere. And it's a brand Mm. I had never heard of before, but they really tapped into her and her audience and it is flying off the shelves. So so yeah, I I love that. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think that was happening already, but Mm. we're kind of seeing brands lean more into that right now too. Right. Like the Charlie Duncan coffee. Right. Mm -hmm. I follow like a mic or like a mid-tier influencer who partners with this like hoodie brand and they do like drops through in collaboration with her uh, so yeah that's oh great- another really cool thing there's a new coffee shop that just opened in our town and it's also got some locations out in california um but their whole thing is you can customize on their app like your own cool drink with all of these different flavors and all these different like toppings and things and then you can name that drink and have it in the app so all of their customers are posting on social media saying, Hey, go get my drink that I made. And then whenever somebody buys your drink, I think you get like a few points in order to like, yeah, boost your reward system or something. But like, that's a really cool strategy where you're tapping into like your existing customer already and not even necessarily creators. So I thought that was brilliant. And also if you're out there and you're in Lakeland or wherever and you want to order the city brews banana bread iced oatmeal oat milk latte go on there and do it it's called happy fast delicious i think i love that that is so cool it's like a spin on the like when you go to a coffee shop and they're like 
the their monthly little flavor is inspired by one of their baristas but yeah it's inspired by their customers that's yeah and it's all like on an app that's so Mm -hmm. cool isn't that a good idea I love that okay let's hear your prediction your list of predictions yes I literally have it like on my (laughs) that's such a good idea I love that okay so my predictions are Facebook marketplace turns into a separate app I'm hoping for that Hmm. Uh, I think hashtags if they're not already fully dead they completely die on Instagram it's just with TikTok being Google and being able to search a phrase, it really mm-hmm. doesn't make sense for people to search using a hashtag or to like follow hashtags anymore. I think yeah. Instagram already came out with like guidelines, new guidelines on how to use the platform or whatever. And I think they reduced it or it like, like says three to five. Exactly. Yeah. Three. three. Yeah. yeah. No, I feel like it's even that. I think they're just going to fully yeah. kill it. I know. to see that. Um, (laughs) brands oh I think brands are going to lean more into Instagram stories this year but Mm -hmm. kind of talk to the camera I know at least struggle a lot with how do we even fuck with Instagram stories but I think the the solve is going to be put a recognizable face on Instagram stories that can provide updates and that because when you're kind of scrolling along Instagram stories and you you can so clearly tell between a brand and a person and I think that line needs to be a little bit blurrier to really get people to watch Instagram yeah story. Olive and June is doing a great job at that they have one face Ooh. that's kind of all throughout their okay. their social content so yeah I agree I'm gonna check that then I'm gonna yeah. check them out <laughs> yeah check them out. oh I didn't know they were big on Instagram that's awesome yes um I also had a theory that brands are gonna start similar to like how we can partner with creators for Instagram or TikTok really lean into partnering with creators for Twitter um, I know some brands hire like Twitter comedians to like moonlight on their Twitter accounts. And I think brands are going to do that more. Um, I also think, unfortunately, brands are going to do more TikTok lives, even though I think those are like so messy. And um, I think community management is going to start to become even more important than influencers for reaching mm-hmm. new audiences and um, gaining new followers. Yeah. Isn't it wild too, that community management used to be like the entry level position. It was like the lowest sought after position. And now it's like so important and almost, I don't know, it's, it's very integral for any brand, but we get more likes on like on average, if you like put our videos against our comments on other, on other people's videos, not ours, we get more likes per comment on community management responses than videos because it's easier to kind of like ride the wave of an already viral video on TikTok rather than try to like make one yourself it's just naturally easier to comment so yeah yeah, definitely recommend prioritizing that this year for sure totally those are really great tips and also I have seen recently a few titles of like director of community management that companies are looking for so apparently that is becoming cool. really big and a big priority for a lot of brands. So That's amazing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We love to ask this question on the show. What do you know now that you wish you knew early on in your career? I know you mentioned you kind of still are early on in your career, but if there's one piece of advice that you could give um, yourself back when you were just joining Adobe or Lyft, what would you say? Mine would be to 
not expect people to bring your name up in rooms that you aren't in. Like I think as an intern or as like an entry level person, you're like, oh, I'm sure so-and-so is noticing all this work and is talking about how I killed it on this, this, this. And I think an important thing to remember is everyone's thinking that even your managers thinking that like your managers thinking about how they can show up in the right places in the right rooms and their managers thinking about that in the same way so you have to not rely on other people to show off what you're doing and show your work and make sure that you fight for that visibility whether it's even being a like a lower level person on a big project and just being able to get that face time with the right people or fighting for being the person to send the recap notes, being the person to send the recap deck or have hands in in these uh, types of communications that go out to higher level execs. Because sometimes it's the only time they're going to see your name and you can't expect people to bring up your name for you. Although you can, you can try to have them do that. It should be your responsibility and it's how your career is going to grow a lot faster. Oh, such good advice. I love that. I w- would also love to know before we close out about just facing burnout as a social media manager. I know social media can be sometimes overwhelming and it almost overtakes your life at times. So how do you kind of approach that and create that balance between uh, being present on the platforms for the brand, but also for yourself and just life in general? Like, how do you kind of approach all of that? <laughs> oh my gosh. I wish I... I'm figuring that out, girl. I'm like, I'm also struggling with that. Of There's sometimes where I truly want to delete TikTok from my phone for a week, but I feel like so much of what we do relies on not only being knowledgeable of what's trending today, but what has changed on the platform. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to realize that within ourselves, within myself, within my role, and I think it's a, a really big downside that not enough people talk about. You have to be on all the time and, and it can get really draining. I think having open conversations with your manager is great. My manager and I have a really good relationship and I'm able to tell her when I'm going through it and need some time off platform. And, you know, maybe we can get adept to trends in other ways. Maybe we can stay on like publications like BuzzFeed or subs- make sure we're subscribing to the right newsletters to help us when when our team needs focus on other things, both for like mental health things and bandwidth reasons. Um, so having an open conversation with your manager is great, but all in all, I'm still trying to figure that out too. And I think that will be the challenge for social media managers in the next couple of years to figure out how we do that. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing, what you were pointing to is just, we're all in this together. We're all facing that. And so have open dialogue with your managers, but also share that with other people in the space and just ask them how they're navigating that. And I think we can learn a lot from that. And also just knowing someone else is facing the same thing is very encouraging, but I totally agree. We're all still trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. Erica is I'm sure too. It's, it's a journey, (laughs) but it's good. Um, but for you, this has been so awesome. I learned so much from you and loved hearing you share everything that you're working on and just some of the insights that you've learned along the way. Uh, but we'd love to continue to stay in touch with you. So can you share with us where we can follow along with you online? Yeah. Um, really simple. I'm really just only on LinkedIn right now. I'm trying to dabble in Twitter, but like I said, I'm frightened. I'm frightened <laughs> of Twitter. I'm scared. Um, but definitely follow me on LinkedIn. I post a lot of unhinged shit on LinkedIn. That's I think kind of refreshing for how stuffy that platform can be. So I'm Brie Reynolds. 
on LinkedIn. Um, would love to connect with other social media managers and hear from you guys and answer any questions. But I post a lot of the daily struggle on there. And I think that's how you guys found me, you know? Is that how yeah. you guys found me? Okay, yep. cool. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Thank you so much again for joining us. It's been so great. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much as always for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something new, let us know by subscribing, rating, and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. For more from Marketing Happy Hour, head over to our website, marketinghappyhr.com or follow us on Instagram at marketinghappyhr. We'll see you next week. so excited to share that our first ever free marketing happy hour digital resource is now available. Download the dream career game plan today at marketinghappyhr.com forward slash freebie. That's marketinghappyhr.com forward slash freebie. This five-step workbook will guide you through defining your goals, building your network, diversifying your skills, influencing where you're at and investing in your growth. Cassie and I created this resource with marketing careers in mind, but the framework can be applied to any industry. Our hope is that this workbook will help you truly elevate your career, whether you're in the market for a new position or just looking to make your mark in your current organization. No matter where this resource finds you, we are cheering you on every step of the way. So go check it out at marketinghappyhr.com forward slash freebie to download and make your career dreams come true.